our new series called Moonshot. Uh, i got a short video for us to watch this evening, so go ahead and take a look at this. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And a crowd had gathered to hear from President John F. Kennedy. And as the crowd sweated in their seats, JFK made a declaration that would mark human history forever. By the end of this decade, decade as he puts it in his northeastern accent, we would put a man on the moon. It was a bold vision then. It was almost unimaginable. The United States had only put a man into orbit around the earth just a few months earlier that year. By all accounts, we were behind the Soviet Union in the race to space. We had no idea how to put a man on the moon. We didn't have the technology. We didn't have the manpower. We didn't have a blueprint. All that we had was the vision and a desire. By the end of the decade, we will put a man on the moon. It was, in the truest sense of the word, a moonshot. And it happened. On July 21st, 1969, Neil Armstrong put his foot on the moon and uttered the immortal phrase, that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. What was once impossible and certainly seemed improbable in 1962 on the campus of Rice University all of a sudden became a reality. A history-shifting reality. Four years ago today, a group of people gathered in this theater for the very first time as Sought Church. And when we started the gathering, people, of course, had different uh, roles and and tasks that, that we did every week so that we could host this new church. And after a couple of weeks, I went to the team member who was in charge of the signage outside. And I said, I'd like to do the flag signs from now on. And she asked me why. And I said, well, I think it's significant that we take out a hammer and we bang it in and we put our flag in the ground. It's like an epic scene from a battle movie or, or like landing on the moon. And so for a couple of years, every week, the last task that I would do is I would go out and I would hammer the stake into the ground and then I'd raise the sought church flag and plant it here in this ground as a symbol of what we were trying to do. The mission is still very much the same as the first day four years ago. We want to see a healthy sustainable, spirit-filled church in downtown Las Vegas. 
We want to see a church that is seeking God together for the life of downtown Las Vegas. We want to see a church where we are seeking God while He seeks us. We want to see a church that communicates good news. Yeah, many people would write off Las Vegas, especially downtown Las Vegas, as sin city. But God sees a sought city. Yeah, many people have written off church or they've written off God based on their previous experience. But God loves and seeks you. Yes, there are people who have objections to God and religion. And God understands those doubts and seeks truth with you. We see a church where people from all walks of life, all different races, all different journeys, and different perspectives come together to seek God. The mission is still at the heart of what we do and why we exist. And it's still very much a moonshot. When we first came to Las Vegas, not many people believed it was a good idea for a new church in downtown. For some, it was impossible. For some, it was improbable. It was and still is a moonshot. So maybe at this point, it'd be good to try and give you a definition of the idea of a moonshot. Like, what is a moonshot? A moonshot is the idea that seems impossible or improbable until it's done. It's, uh, it's going to the moon. It's, a, it's Roger Bannister and a four-minute mile. It's saying we're going to land on the moon before we have a way to land on the moon. It's, it's saying, you know what, I think I could get people to shop on their computers and then deliver that package to them in two days. You know, Sears just closed business. They were at the top of their business with, with catalogs. And then Amazon came along and has totally transformed the way we do retail. A moonshot. It's saying, I think that we could get people to use their phones to request that strangers come and give them a ride. And they'll do it. It's saying, hey, you know what? I think we could start a city in the middle of the desert and get more than 40 million people a year to come and visit it. A moonshot is not just something that's 10% better. For many of us, the companies that we work for would be ecstatic over 10% better. Year over year, 10% better profits. Year over year, 10% better enrollment. Year over year, 10% more customers. Year over year, 10% more efficient. For most companies, that would be amazing. But that's not a moonshot. A moonshot doesn't aim for 10% better. A moonshot aims for 10 times better. Why? JFK said this in his speech. It's just so inspiring. It's still so inspiring. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. Why a moonshot? Not because it's easy. In fact, there's no, there's no easy button for a moonshot. 
We aim for a moonshot precisely because it is hard. We do it because it will bring out the best of us. Things we didn't know we had in us. We do it because we're called to it and we are willing to accept mission impossible. We do it because it can't wait for the next generation. It has to be done now. A moonshot is jumping off a cliff. It's taking a massive leap of faith. It's following the Spirit of God into the unknown. And many of us are facing moonshots in our own life. For some, a healthy marriage is a moonshot. You know, you can look around and, and you might be able to get 10% better, but all that means is that there's just 10% less fights. You don't want a marriage that's 10% better. You want a marriage that's 10 times better. It won't be easy, but it's what's needed. Some of us are facing a financial moonshot. 10% more would be fine, but a healthy situation needs to be 10 times better. You don't even see how that's possible because you, you can't pull, pull it off, but, but the reality is you can't put it off either. For some of us, a, a 10% improvement in our faith and seeking Jesus just isn't enough. You're wrestling with doubts or with distance and you need something that's 10 times different. For some of us, in despair, you don't need 10% more hope. You need a 10 times different hope. There's a moonshot that you need to take in your life. After four years of gathering a sought church, we need a moonshot. In the next four years, we're not looking for ten times better. God is calling us to ten times different. Why? Because it's easy? <laughs> no. <laughs> because it's hard. And we are the people to do it. Because it's necessary. If downtown Las Vegas is going to flourish with life, then we need to be a part of it. We can't wait for the next decade. We can't wait for the next generation. Not when people need hope and meaning and purpose and joy and, and healing and freedom right now. It's going to take more than we think we have. It's going to take God moving in ways that we have yet to see and can't imagine. It's going to take us building new things and, and taking risks. It's going to take tearing down some things that we've spent the last four years doing. But we know that it will only get us 10% better, not 10 times better. It's going to take us growing in generosity it's going to take us giving ten times more, and I know that seems impossible. You do the math, you look at the numbers, but a moonshot is more than the numbers. It's more than the equations that you and I can run. We serve a God of moonshots. Throughout the Bible, we see moonshots that become reality. Just the existence of the church and Christianity is a moonshot. I mean, when Jesus ascends into heaven, all he leaves behind are twelve really close followers who are really confused and a couple hundred that have kind of hung out on the fringes. They're hated as heretics by the Jewish religious leaders. They're a nuisance and a threat to the Roman government. And 
to top it all off, Jesus isn't going to stick around. They, they can't point to Jesus and say, see, there he is. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And he says, go and take the good news into all the world. It's crazy. How could a movement of life and transformation come from a start like that? When God asked Abraham to go to a new land and leave everything else behind, it was a moonshot. When God asked David to step out and battle a giant, it was a moonshot. When God used a queen to save her people, it was a moonshot. I went back and read the story of Esther. As Esther is getting ready to go into the king, she didn't know whether she would come out alive or not. But she had to take her shot. Nehemiah didn't know if he could build the walls around Jerusalem. But he took a shot anyway. We serve a God of moonshots. And I, I want us to look at one moonshot story today. It's, it's from the history of Israel and it's found in Judges. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. This is the history of the nation of Israel before they had a king to rule. God would appoint different people called judges to lead the nation when it needed it most. And so we're going to look at how God works with and through a, a judge called Gideon. Because the nation of Israel needs something that's ten times better. What has happened is, in the, in the course of events, uh, Israel has turned away from God. They are now oppressed and enslaved by a nation called Midian. And the, Midian, the Midianites rule over the Israelites. And what happens is, is that they regularly come, and, and they come and they ravage the land. They take their crops. They take all of their resources. At harvest time, they come and they, they sweep everything out of the country. And, and so the Israelites are shriveling under this oppressive government. 10% better is not enough. All that means is that they get to keep 10% of their stuff instead of none of their stuff. That's not going to do it. They need something that's 10 times better. They need a moonshot. And so then there's this, this guy named Gideon. I'm going to pick it up in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. I don't know if I'm getting any of these names right. I just say them fast when I'm reading by myself. You can do the same. Uh, Gideon, son of Joash, was thre threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever asked yourself that question? If God is with me, why is all this going on? And where? Where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Sometimes I ask that question. Sometimes I ask this question. Where are the miracles that I see on Instagram but are not in my life? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. 
And the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But but Lord, Gideon said, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. I am a nobody. I I don't have any strength. You found me hiding in a well because I'm so afraid of the Midianites. And you're just telling me, why? I don't, what is going on? And the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon looks at his circumstances and he says, well, that would be nice. There's no way. Midians are too strong and I'm certainly too weak. God, it might be better if you just cut bait with this one. It might be better, God, if you were to go and try someone else. God, maybe next year we could do that. Maybe things will change. Maybe I'll be a little stronger. Maybe Midian will be a little weaker. But this moonshot isn't about Gideon. It's about God. Your moonshot isn't about you. It's about God. Your finances, your relationships, your health, your kids, your neighbors, your business, your career, your community, your marriage, your church. Your moonshot isn't about your ability. It's not about what you think is possible. It's not about your doubts. It's not about your current resources. It's about God, the God of moonshots. Yeah, Sot Church has been gathering for four years. We've impacted lives. We've served our community. We've baptized people and dedicated babies. We've found faith together. But we've still got a moonshot in front of us. What will our next four years be about? It won't be 10% better. It needs to be 10 times better. In the next four years, we will begin a new nonprofit organization. And the organization will focus on creativity, calling, and common good. In this nonprofit, we will have extraordinary impact on the arts district. We'll gather artists together and add to our community and and our own creativity. We'll host art shows and, and network artists together so that we can behold beauty and truth as a community. We'll build relationships with the musicians and actors and woodworkers and painters and we will contribute to their calling. We will increase the creativity of each individual. We'll help people imagine their own callings and their own vocations better. We'll have classes for better marriages and and better parenting. We'll teach people how to change their oil and, and fix their toilet. And at the same time, we'll also teach people how to start a business and be better bosses. We'll bring together world class experts to teach us about their fields and help improve our community. We will see the flourishing of downtown Las Vegas increase for all of its residents. And we will see that impact reach throughout the whole valley. In the next four years, we will have a permanent location. 
We will have a place that we gather in and call home so that we can expand our impact and our footprint and our visibility in the neighborhood. Our permanent location will be used more than once a week. We'll offer our space to community organizations. We'll host discussions about the Bible and its implications. We'll, we'll offer more than one gathering so that people can have an opportunity for whatever time fits their schedule. We'll have a space that declares our belief in the neighborhood and that we're here to stay and that we value this place. In the next four years, we will give more than we ever have before. We've always outgiven our size, and we will continue to do that. We will give to the forgotten islands. We will give to our community. We will give generously to each other. We'll not just see a 10% increase in our ability to give. We'll see something that is 10 times different that will unleash the power of generosity for people and the place that we love. We will leverage our generosity for the most vulnerable among us. And none of this is about us. It's about the God that we serve. And you could look around and you could ask yourself, how? I mean, you could look at our past and you could ask, how? But we're, we aren't just asking how. Don't, don't just ask how for the moonshot in your life. Ask why. Ask why. Don't ask how you'll be set free from depression. Ask that why. Because Jesus lifts our burdens. And He gives abundant life. Because the joy of the Lord gives strength. Don't just ask how your marriage will get better. Ask why. Because two people loving each other demonstrates a glimpse of the love of God because your kids will be better with, with two loving parents. Gideon asks how. And God says, I'll take care of the how. The story continues in, in Judges chapter 7, and I just want to summarize it. What happens is Gideon gets up the courage and after lots of testing, <laughs> he gets up the courage and he asks God, okay, I'm, I'm ready to do it. Let's get everybody together. And so he gathers an army of people, 22,000 strong. That's pretty good. 22,000 to defeat a nation that had been oppressing them for years. And God speaks to Gideon. He says, this is a good start. Let's get it smaller. What do you mean? Let's get it smaller, God. Could, you, could we multiply? No, let's get it smaller. Just tell everybody, hey, if they don't want to be here, they can go home. So Gideon makes the announcement. Hey, you know, if you don't want to be here, maybe this isn't your thing. Not sure how it's all going to work out. Go ahead. Go home. And he's left with 10,000. And God takes a look around and says, that's a good start. Let's get it smaller. What do you mean? He says, well, take them all to the river and, and tell them to get a drink. And some of them are going to get down on their hands and knees and drink. And some of them will put their hands together and make a cup and they'll drink and we'll sort it out from there. And at the end of the sorting out, he's left with 300. 
I said, we're ready to go now. 22,000 down to 300. I think we're ready to go. This is an absolute. It was a moonshot with 22,000. It's now an absolute moonshot with 300. And so in the middle of the night, they surround the Midianite camp. And, well, surround I might, might be a generous term. I don't know. Uh, and he, he splits everybody up into three groups, 100 over there, 100 over there, 100 with himself. And he says, hey, take, take a sword with you. Take one of these uh, you know, clay pots and a thing of, uh, you know, uh, what is that called? A torch. That's it. A torch with you. And, uh, and then just wait for my signal. When I give you the signal, break the Break the torch and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And they do it. And the Midianites are defeated. And really, they didn't do anything. You read the story, and what happens is, is that God moves among the camp of the, the Midianites. They turn on themselves in the midst of their own panic and chaos, and, and, and they really are the ones that defeat themselves, while 300 guys stand around holding torches. It's absolutely crazy. It's just as crazy as showing up to Jericho and saying, I've got a plan, let's walk around the walls. God is a God of moonshots. What's your moonshot? What's the thing that, that you put out there? It, it, and then every once in a while you think, I, I think that might be it. But then you, you put it away because it just seems so impossible. So improbable. We're ready to take another moonshot. And for the next few weeks, I want to talk a little bit more about what that means and, and build our faith. I hear that, that intro to the video, the, the, you know, with the trumpet and, and then the speech, and it's just like, I'm ready to go, you know? I read the story of Gideon, and I go, I, we can do it. I, I want to build our faith to believe for what God is calling us to. And I want to build your faith not only for what God is calling us to together as sought church, but for what God is calling you to in your life. There is a moonshot that needs to be taken. Why? Because it's easy? No. Because it's hard. And you're the person to do hard things. Why? Because we can't wait. We can't wait for the next person to come along and do it. We have to seize the opportunity now. Why? Because it will bring out something in us and the Spirit of God will begin to fill us and empower us to do things that we never thought were possible before. And all of it will bring glory to God. 